0: During the holiday season, hundreds of these treats are made, sometimes by just one household. Their name can be a bit confusing when first heard. They have originated in Europe, but have settled in America. It's the cookie that isn't called a cookie. We're exploring the history and origins of sand tarts. to another serving of Seasons Eatings, the podcast which explores the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. Seasons Eatings can be found wherever you download your favorite podcasts. If you haven't already, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All the links can be found in the show notes, which can be found at seasonsinkspodcast.com. And while you're there, you can buy me an eggnog. Just click on the little cup at the top of the page and leave a donation for as little as three dollars. Each donation is. Episodes or just say hello at seasons podcast at gmail.com. Those who are native to Pennsylvania Dutch country know that the holidays aren't complete without a fresh tray of Santart cookies. These ultra-fine, buttery treats are a delicate dessert so light and thin that it's impossible to eat just one. At first glance, sand tarts seem just like another sugar cookie, or southern tea cake, but the differences stop there. This seemingly simple cookie is a quintessential Pennsylvania Dutch classic turned holiday tradition the centuries-old recipe has been passed down from one generation to the next, proving the most basic ingredients can create something truly special when baked with love. The Pennsylvania Dutch culture is the legacy of German settlers who came to Pennsylvania in the 18th and 19th centuries. Those who live in the area today proudly preserve the culture by sharing their stories and pastimes with visiting tourists. They continue to make and pass down their favourite recipes, and among the most beloved foods are sand tarts. The name for these dramatic people may be a bit confusing. It might seem logical to think that this might be due to a simple mistranslation or a butchering of the word Deutsch, meaning German, by the English-speaking Pennsylvanians. However, the real explanation apparently lies in the original use of the word Dutch in the English language. In 18th and 19th century English, the word Dutch was used to refer to the broad Germanic region encompassing modern-day Netherlands, Germany, Belgium, Austria, and Switzerland. Furthermore, at the time when the Pennsylvania Dutch left Europe, Germany did not exist as a single nation but rather as a patchwork of duchies, kingdoms, and states. Therefore, referring to the Pennsylvania Dutch as German would not be accurate as they were never citizens of a unified Germany. Therefore, the name Pennsylvania Dutch seems as appropriate a name as any when referring to this community of Dutch speakers. This name was even promoted by the Pennsylvania Dutch themselves in the 19th century as a way of distinguishing themselves both from the European Germans from whom they had left behind and the later waves of German immigrants who had become German Americans. In the Pennsylvania Dutch language, these other Germans are referred to as Deutschlander, meaning Germany Ers. The German immigrants who settled in Pennsylvania mostly came from German speaking territories in Europe. They openly identified themselves as Deutsch as they spoke several dialects that were not shared by the newer generation of immigrants who came later on. As the new and old waves of immigrants created a cross dialogue of communication, they formed a hybrid dialect of Pennsylvania German, also known as Pennsylvania Dutch. And while not too many people within the region are fluent nowadays, you can still pick up the accent in casual conversation. Like their namesake, The name for the holiday treat is a bit confusing. To the surprise of many, sand tarts are not actually tarts, which is a shortcrust pastry filled with fruit filling or custard. Sand tarts are actually a very thin, delicate, light golden cookie that crumbles into a buttery textured delight. While the Pennsylvania German population claims to be the first to create this treat, there are a few other cultures that insist they did it first. Because the recipes are so similar and can be traced back to similar eras, there is some confusion surrounding the cookie's name. However, most people in the area agree that the name is either attributed to the cookie's texture, or the traditional cinnamon topping that looks like sand. And there's even another cookie made in Hungary with the same name but it doesn't even look like the American sand tart. This cookie is actually similar to a round shortbread combined with ground pecans and covered in powdered sugar. And just to confuse myself even further, I found that sometimes these sand tarts were listed as saint hearts. The recipe for sand tarts is relatively simple, calling for just six ingredients, flour, eggs, butter, sugar, vanilla, and salt. This is obviously excluding the toppings which can range from cinnamon, powdered sugar, sanding sugar, even nuts. If you are an experienced baker or have made your fair share of cookies, then you may have noticed that some traditional baking ingredients are missing. Sand tarts don't need a leavening agent such as baking soda or baking powder. They are meant to be as thin and fine as possible. Both the ingredients and the techniques used when baking make these cookies stand apart from other biscuits on the shelf. And of course, don't let the name confuse you. Sand tarts taste nothing like sand, nor are they dry and super crumbly. In general, sand tarts are moist but crisp, chewy yet delicate. So while the cookies do have a crumble to them, they don't completely break down when you eat them. Instead, they melt into an intriguing combination of fine, buttery, delectable sweetness. Traditional sand tarts are topped with a dusting of cinnamon. However, depending on the origin of the recipe or personal preference, they can be adorned in many different ways. For example, Amish sand tarts are brushed with an egg wash, sprinkled with cinnamon sugar and decorated with a pecan or walnut. Another popular decoration is colored sugar, especially around the holidays. Other common toppings include powdered sugar, almonds, and sprinkles. The Pennsylvania Dutch population proudly claim the sand tart as their own creation. However, the exact origin of the cookie is unknown and poses understandable speculation. What is known for sure is that some variation of this delightful cookie dates back to the 17th or 18th century and across multiple countries, but nations sharing similar recipes, especially during the same eras, is fairly common. Given the resources and ingredients that were popular and available during the time, sand tarts came to be, and it's absolutely plausible that the same cookies were circulating in different regions without the creators knowing or realizing it. Sand tarts are often compared to other cookies that are similar, but not quite the same. Russian tea cakes, southern tea cakes, sugar cookies, and shortbread cookies are all similar variations, but they have notable differences that make them their own dessert. After tracing the threads of the many beloved cookie recipes back to their origins, it's clear that the Pennsylvania holds the true root of the sand tart cookies history. In fact, the earliest printed recording of the Pennsylvania Dutch recipe can be found in Sarah Tyson Rohrer's recipe book, Mrs. Rohrer's Philadelphia Cookbook, A Manual of Home Economics. Rohrer is hailed as the first dietitian in the United States and founded the Philadelphia Cooking School in the 1880s, which became the pillar for creating and documenting her recipes. Rohrer's book allowed the treasured sand tart to become holiday staples in homes across the East Coast with basic ingredients and clear instructions. Relatively. The recipe in her book is fairly simple. One pound of sugar, a half a pound of butter, the yolks of three eggs and the whites of two, and enough flour to make a stiff paste. Cream the butter and sugar, add the yolks, then the whites, and then add the flour. Roll into a board, cut with a round cutter, and bake in a moderate oven until light brown. Now, you may think I'm paraphrasing the recipe, but I'm not. There's no mention of amount of flour, how thin you need to roll out the dough, or how long you're supposed to bake the cookies. I find that with many older cookbooks, there's an implied knowledge of amounts amounts and times which may cause the modern baker a bit of confusion or frustration. That's why if you pick up an older cookbook, you'll find notes and scribbles in the margins which enhance the recipe or give that little bit of extra information needed. A second cookbook published in 1896 boosted the awareness and the popularity of the Pennsylvania Dutch sand tart. Fanny Merritt Farmers, the 1896 Boston Cooking School cookbook was a bestseller the year it was published. The more I researched sand tarts, the more variations I found in relative amounts of butter, flour, and sugar, and then in types of sugar. Some were made with brown or even confectioner sugar. Most recipes call for topping the cookies with cinnamon sugar and some with nuts as well. Fanny Farmer's cookbook suggested three blanched almond halves on top, the finishing touch that is still common today. Whatever sand tart recipe you use, you must keep the dough very cold. Rolling out small portions and putting scraps back into the refrigerator as necessary. You also need to flour your board and rolling pin and move the dough around frequently. Rolling the dough so thin that you can see the board through it. Some recipes suggest a quarter inch thickness, but you may have to experiment with the thickness you feel comfortable with. While this tiny little cookie seems like a simple bake, especially to experienced bakers, sand tarts were exceptionally difficult to make during the 18th and 19th centuries. Take a moment to consider the resources that were present at the time to the common individual and household. Families didn't have electricity, let alone a source to control the heat from their oven or hearth. Without proper refrigeration, it was near impossible to make these cookies during any other time of the year. They became traditional Christmas treats because they had to be made in the winter, during the coldest months of the year. This allowed the bakers and homemakers to keep their dough chilled outside in a safe location while the cookies baked in batches. The best resources we have to trace our history are recipes, journals, and family stories passed down from generation to generation. The Pennsylvania Dutch region is so rich in history and values, its cultural identity, that these primary resources have withstood the test of time even 200 years after their humble invention. And while there may not be any official documents verifying that Santarts were created in a specific kitchen in the middle of rural Pennsylvania, there are dozens of handwritten family recipes that certify the suspected timeline of when and where we believe they originated. We'll hear about the cutters' need for this cookie after the break. Do you like candy? Do you like candy? Do you like candy? If you answered yes to any of the above questions, then Candy is Dandy is the right podcast for you. Candy is Dandy is the world's only candy review podcast. And we know that because we looked as deep as a third O in a Google search. Every first and third Wednesday of the month, we pick a different candy, give you its history, taste it live, and review it and rate it. We've tried candies such as Snickers, Butterfingers, Jelly Belly Jelly Beans, and we've had a cavalcade of celebrity guests such as The Three Musketeers, Bazooka Joe, and Comedy Bang Bang's Carl Tart. So download and subscribe to Candy is Dandy anywhere podcasts are found. Were you the kid who would sit as close to the TV as possible on Friday night to enjoy the likes of Steve Urkel, Corey Matthews, and DJ Tanner? Do you love Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas? Then I've got the podcast for you. I'm Matt, and I am the host of the TGI Podcast, where we take a trip down memory lane with classic TGIF and TGIF-adjacent shows from the 90s and beyond, and we like to determine whether or not their Halloween, Thanksgiving, or Christmas episodes should be deemed a holiday classic. If they pass the test, they get a you got it, dude. And if they fail, they're saddled with a Go away Jose. So if you like all the holidays and some other random dates in between, be sure to give us a listen. While the sand tart is a fairly easy cookie to make, nowadays, with minimal ingredients, you can be a bit more elaborate with the cookie's design. Yes, the traditional shapes are usually round or square, but the Pennsylvania Dutch have a rich history of using different shapes for their cookie cutters. For most households, Christmas time means cookie time. Trays and trays of cookies are made to give out as gifts, bring to potlucks and bake sales, and a few are left out for the big guy himself. One doesn't think of Christmas cookies in Pennsylvania without including the cookies that are cut out with the tin cutters that have now become collector's items. Not too many years ago, these tin cutters were found in every household, having passed from generation to generation. For the most part, there are animals galore, But that's just the beginning there are flowers and leaves people in all shapes and sizes and even objects found around the house such as a kettle scissors a wheelbarrow or a pipe and don't forget the one that checks on the naughty children the bell popular for christmas tree ornamentation were cookies made with patterns of leaves stars and woodland creatures There were even ones made to create a nativity scene out of cookies. Long unstudied and unrecorded, these designs have only recently come to be recognized for what they are. Not only a peculiar contribution to the old Dutch country to culinary art, but also to its own distinctive folk art. Not unnaturally then, these cookie cutters have been sought after by museums, historical societies, and private collectors. Old cutters imported from Germany are often finely detailed. Modern cutters made in factories offer great variety. Isolated tinsmiths were still at work in the early years of the 20th century, fashioning cutters available at country stores. By and large, their handiwork came to a halt when machines took over. Machine-made products appeared in early in the 1900s. But if you're lucky, you can find an original tin cookie cutter, probably at some antique fair or public auction. That way you can take a little piece of the Pennsylvania Dutch culinary history home with you. So the next time you're making your next batch of Christmas cookies, think of the Pennsylvania Dutch. Roll them out really thin, cut them with a nice elaborate cookie cutter, top them with some cinnamon or sanding sugar, And know that you're recreating a centuries-old tradition passed down from generation to generation. I'm your host, Glenn Warren, and thanks again for listening to another serving of Seasons Eatings. Seasons Eatings is available on Apple Podcasts, Google, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please, if you can leave a review about the show so we can spread the Christmas cheer. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com to let me know how you like the show, suggestions for future episodes, or just to say hi. And if you let me know you've left a review, I'll send you a Season's Eating sticker for your trouble, as well as my unwavering gratitude. And if you're feeling extra generous this season, you can buy me an eggnog. Head over to seasonseatingspodcast.com and click on the little cup in the corner. Each small donation helps with the daily running of the podcast and is greatly appreciated. All music used in this episode is royalty free and used under the Creative Commons license.